Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Europe is fractured, Perez and Agnelli are in the mud, but amid speculation of a quote-unquote Super League in the backdrop of a global pandemic, the European leagues were largely more competitive than ever. Was it because of the truncated season? Is the gap shrinking between the elite and the also-rans? Or was this season just merely a freak season all across Europe? If you listened to the Premier League season in review yesterday, thank you. Today, we're going to review the other major European leagues in the top five district. La Liga, Bundesliga, Liga and Serie A, among others, today. Wherever you get your podcast, be it Spotify, Apple or Acast, please leave us a five-star review, follow, subscribe, get those algorithms boosted, get those people listening and enjoy today's show. The early pace setters in Spain weren't Real Madrid, Barcelona or Atletico Madrid, but Real Sociedad. Now, La Real there would eventually fall out of title contention like so many others, as we discussed in England in the Premier League season review yesterday. Thank you for watching. I'll give you an hour to watch if uh, listen if you haven't, so thank you. Um, anyway, so Barcelona, where they were in complete disarray. They'd lost 8-2 to, Bar- to Bayern Munich in the quarterfinal of the Champions League last season, and as a result... Leo Messi, he was set to leave. The boardroom was at total anarchy. Bartomeu was to go. Juan Laporta returned in the spring of 2021. Real Madrid, they were largely unchanged. Unspectacular, but seemingly going out about their business. Karim Benzema, likewise. His form remained a constant, and he was primarily the reason why they won La Liga last season. It looked ominous at the halfway point, but there was a fairly runaway leader in Atletico. They had just succumbed to just their second loss. Levante beat them in Madrid one month after the same team in Levante 
beat Real in Madrid. Meanwhile, Barcelona had begun absolutely horrifically. They'd won two of eight in October and November, but then that unbeaten run was kickstarted by none other than Levante, and then suddenly Barcelona clicked. Ronald Koeman had strayed from the uh, typical Barcelona 4-3-3 that we'd seen for, let's be honest, nearly half, a decade and a half now. He dropped back to a 3-4-3, changed it again uh, before the end of the season. We had Frankie de Jong drop deeper. And for me, it was a shame that Ansu Fati um, couldn't complete the season. He went in down injured when he did because he could have been crucial. And I think if he stays fit, maybe Barcelona win the league. That is a what if for some way down the road there. Um, Lionel Messi, as if it needs to even be stated at this point, he was in imperious form. And in this sequence of unbeaten runs, his goals picked them, helped them pick up 15 points on his own in this sequence. Atletico were smarting because of an absence of one of their own. Kieran Trippier, his betting ban lasted 10 weeks and that came in the midst of Atleti's biggest slump. In February, March and April, Atletico won just six. They drew five and lost three. And this slump combined with Real Madrid's realness, really, and Barcelona's ominous, it boiled down to, with nine games to go, Atletico on 66, Barcelona on 65, and Real Madrid with 63, with none other than the Clasico next. And it was an absolutely pivotal game. It always is. It was a 2-1 win for Real Madrid in absolutely torrential conditions. This chipped away at Barcelona's belief, really. And... um, they would win again. Real Madrid were unbeaten since January the 30th, drew a lot to be fair, and they won the reverse at the new Camp as well. And in fact, Real Madrid drew against Getafe, Betis and Sevilla after this. Atletico Madrid, they had a lot of title nerves. They'd led the league by a double-digit distance and uh, their wing-back system, the stereotypically under Simeone being 4-4-2, but this system with uh, the returning Yannick Carrasco at left wing-back, Trippier at right wing-back, it was sorely lacking without them. They needed those two players in that system to uh, be successful, it seemed. They regained some momentum with seven goals without replying wins against Eibar uh, and Huesca. Teams we'll be talking about in the relegation zone segment of this segment, segment within a segment. But you could still throw, these, uh, throw a blanket over these three teams, all separated the top three by two points. And it was becoming increasingly clear in April and uh, early May, perhaps, that Sevilla were in it too. Julian Lopetegui's team going on uh, long winning runs. They would um, they would match the likes of Atletico's early form and Barcelona's middle of the season form. And only those teams could really match them in terms of stringing together wins and wins. In the previous match day before the, uh, this match day, Real Madrid drew to Betis. Barcelona lost at home to Granada and Atletico managed to lose at Athletic Bilbao in the last minute. So that meant the top four were split by three points with Sevilla on 70 in fourth, Atletico Madrid on 73 and the Clasico clubs there bound together on 70, 71. And all four, all four teams were confirmed as uh, Champions League participants for the following season. But then Sevilla lost to a late Iñaki Williams goal at home to Athletic Bilbao. Bilbao, the fawn in so many teams this season and uh, Atletico Madrid scraped a 1-0 win against Eibar. Barcelona did likewise in a 3-2 at Valencia and Real Madrid were... Well, they were just being Real Madrid beating Osasuna 2-0. And, but still, Sevilla were in it. There were six points between the four with four to play. And crucially, all four played each other next. And it, to be fair, it was similar vibes to the 2006-07 season. Uh, so about Valencia for uh, Atletico Madrid in here. And you've pretty much got the same four-way title race. Um, in this, Barcelona played Atletico, Real Madrid played Sevilla. If Barcelona won, they'd give Real Madrid Real Madrid chance to go top above them on head-to-head. They drew, so Real Madrid could now go top on their own the following day. But instead, they needed a bizarre Aiden Hazard injury time equaliser sort of 
clipped off the back of his leg. Um, so they drew 2-2, Barcelona drew 0-0. Uh, two draws, and with um, the same points difference, six with three to play, it left Sevilla effectively out of the title race. It needed a minor miracle to win the league, and they were confirmed um, only in fourth, uh, two weeks later, losing 4-0 at Villarreal, the uh, Europa League finalists. Sevilla now, I think this summer, they face a job keeping their plays. They were they were saved perhaps due, due to the market depression last summer, but they've now got Jules Kunde, Diego Carlos, Eunice and Nesiri, and the market's levelling out, so they can all be uh, got quite comfortably for the uh, big teams around Europe. Now, with the top three separated by two points, it was Atleti's uh, league to lose, really. They were playing Real Sociedad, Osasuna, Real Valladolid. Meanwhile, Real Madrid had tough games. They were away at Granada and Athletic Bilbao also had to play Villarreal on the final game. And Barcelona seemingly had the easiest run, but they shipped three goals at Levante. And this was a microcosm of Barcelona this season, really. They lost a comfortable two-goal lead conceded late on. And as they dropped points, both Madrid clubs won. Barcelona's dreams title dreams they'd gone in what was been described up until that point as a transitional season. A loss at home to Celta Vigo helped confirm that they wouldn't win the league title this season. Messi, he can't do it on his own. And with rumours that Sergio Aguero is to join him in the hope that it'll keep Messi at the club, I say this, trust the youth. Don't placate Messi by signing players that he'll like. He lost Suarez last season. Aguero's just another stopgap. Um, just keep Messi with the promise that Barcelona will bring through that youth and the flogging of this dead wood or supposed dead wood Luis Suarez wasn't that as it seems um, Arturo Vidal he's gone he went last summer you've also need to get rid of Miralem Pjanic Philippe Coutinho Jordi Alba Gerard Piquet as well all those on comfortably high wages that, earn, that aren't earning that they aren't earning the uh, the name on the back for the badge on the front so to speak and there's enough talent there in the academy you've got Serginho Dest who's Admittedly not academy, but he's a youth prospect. Arruya, Mingueza, he's also at the back there. Decent prospects coming through. Frankie Jong is versatile, can play midfield or defence. You've also got Trincao, Ansu Fati, Pedri, Ricky Puig. All fantastic young players. And it's the best crop for me since uh, Xavi, Iniesta and Messi. And they could easily... Pedri is a future Ballon d'Or winner for me. I think he's absolutely superb. Ansu Fati likewise. And if they keep those two, and particularly those attacking four that I just mentioned, then I don't see why Barcelona can't be dominant again as they were in Spain before. But with Barcelona out, May the 16th proved pivotal. Nacho stuck, struck lucky in Bilbao for uh, for Real Madrid in a 1-0 win as uh, Osasuna went ahead against the run of play with 14 minutes on the clock left through uh, Croatian Ante Budimir and Atletico Madrid had an absolute uphill crime, climb rather to uh, win the game and claw back the initiative going into the uh, going into the final couple of games. And as they say, Atletico found themselves in the Suarez zone. Renan Lodi off from the bench from uh, an inspired substitution by Diego Simeone. He fired an e- in an equaliser with eight minutes to play. And Suarez, he got the winner late on, didn't he? And the man that Barcelona had sold to their rivals continued to score and score. And aside from that wing-back system for Atletico, Suarez was absolutely pivotal. It was his title-winning season. His mentality forced Atletico Madrid over the line at times in this season. There's a picture of him crying on the final day with his hand in his phone, and that'll go viral. It was his title, and that is the picture that should sum up Atletico Madrid this season. It's his, t- it's his title despite Oscar Plano's opener for struggling Valladolid at home and on the final game of the season. Meanwhile... Europa League finalists Villarreal, they led Real Madrid to 
both were bottling it, but it also meant in turn that because both were bottling it, Atletico Madrid technically weren't bottling it. Um, I've said bottled far too much in that little bit there. Uh, Real Madrid scored two goals late on Karim Benzema, Luka Modric, and that sort of encapsulated Real Madrid's two best performers all season. Zidane had really changed in midfield without changing the personnel, really. They kept the same three, Casemiro, Kroos and Modric. Fede Valverde didn't really get a look in um, above the other three. Modric and Kroos was, uh, were more deeper. They'd start, start higher up than uh, Casemiro, but... They're older, they're more pulling the strings and it's been beautiful to watch Modric in general. Casemiro's been attacking from deep and it's really that little uh, tactical tweak that has uh, helped Real Madrid stay in the title race for so long. Obviously, it goes without saying Benzema, his form's warranted him a call-up to the French team for the Euros. Um, That 2-1 win against Villarreal wouldn't be enough. Whacking Correa and fittingly, the final goal of Atletico Madrid's season came down to Luis Suarez and he gets the La Liga title winner. A 2-1 win for Atletico Madrid and they win their first title since 2014. Again, likewise, they won the title in 2014 on the final day there. Real Sociedad, they dropped from the title race and consolidated a Europa League spot. Manuel Pellegrini's Betis did likewise. Sergio Canales, Boya Inglésias, key for them. And they crept up with the uh, with the last 11 games of La Liga unbeaten, winning four, drawing seven. Villarreal did well under Unai Emery to confirm European football amid, of course, Europa League distractions and making the making the final there. They sagged in the middle and too many misses, it'll mean it'll either be Champions League through the Europa League win or the Europa Conference League next season. Celta Vigo have rebounded well from a couple of scrapes in relegation, of course. Who else at the heart of it but Iago Aspas? Granada did well in the Europa League, secretly might be thankful that they didn't get into Europe, particularly the Conference League. Um, Athletic Bilbao were in 10th, but the main plot point for Bilbao were the uh, two Copa del Rey finals in the space of a fortnight there. They lost 2020's final to Real Sociedad arch rivals and then uh, then two weeks later lost the 2021 final to Barcelona. That was uh, Barcelona's saving grace for this season perhaps. It's a testament to how well Osasuna do as well because they're not a big club but safe in 11th. Ante Budimir there, the uh, star man as well. Cadiz did fantastically to be 11th, to be 12th rather, to be so safe in their first season back in the top flight since 2005-06. Valencia likewise in 13th. Amid the Ferrari higher up uh, Peter Lima's ownership and uh, the pull clear the last few weeks uh, selling likes of Fran Torres, Rodrigo for uh, peanuts really. Levante took some scalps in 14th, whilst uh, Hatafe almost literally took scalps in 15th with their uh, style of play, let's say. Um, Alaves marked the 20th anniversary of their UEFA Cup final by retaining their spot in La Liga. And as we know, Valladolid went down with that loss to Atletico Madrid. Ronaldo, R9's Valladolid, is catching some flack at the moment as they are heading down. Huesca struggled only to keep their head afloat just with wins over the likes of Levante and Elche in April. Shockingly beating Basque clubs in Sociedad and Bilbao in May. But they would lose to Betis and then a draw to Valencia condemns them just as Valencia's 4-1 win condemned Eibar. Eibar have done magnificently to stay in the division for so long and they can hopefully bounce back with uh, some more foundations under their feet at the minute. Huesca's point on the final day wasn't enough as Elche needed to better their score and they did 2-0 against Athletic Bilbao and Elche's first season back since 2015 just about ended in safety. We'll be leaving Spain now and heading to the ripe shores of Italy for a fantastic new champion in Serie A. Welcome back. And it seemed un- the only thing that could stop Inter Milan's title push was Inter Milan themselves. Antonio Conte was being as combustible as ever in the wake of their 
their defeat to Sevilla in the Europa League final in August. He didn't want Inter Milan, a club like Inter Milan, to be signing players from Cagliari and Sassuolo. And it's kind of uh, a slant on players like Stefano Sensi and Nicolo Barella, the latter of which was one of their best players all season. Also a factor was uh, signing from one of Europe's best in Real Madrid and it turned out to be one of Europe's best right-backs. Ashraf Hakimi coming in from Real Madrid, of course, spent the last two years on loan out at Borussia Dortmund. Also, you've got the Lula, the uh, Lautaro Martinez-Romelu Lukaku strike partnership. They were a huge factor. Lukaku, obviously, banging in the goals there. Christian Eriksen used a bit more deeper, used more of a used as more of a uh, register, deep-lying playmaker type thing. And they had a built on uh, solid defence. Inter Milan were at the races, really. There were sticky points early on, but even amongst this, the... Uh, AC Milan derby defeat, the draws at Lazio and Atalanta that, that threatened to stutter their progress. They were going insane runs of form. They'd win eight in a row, November to January. They'd have a minor blip and they'd come back 11-1 in a row uh, between January and April. And this is easily where they won the title. In and amongst that was the, the derby revenge, beating AC Milan 3-0 at home, killed Stefano Pioli's men and their title surge. And in the end, it was a matter of when, not if, for Inter Milan's first title since uh, 2010, the obviously the fantastic treble winning team of that year. The title across all of Europe, I think that was won at a canter most, obviously ahead of Lille, ahead of Atletico Madrid, who uh, took it to the final day. And I think a smidge ahead of Manchester City and ahead of Bayern Munich as well. I don't necessarily think the, the title was won by Lukaku's goals because, yeah, the goals were fantastic. I think it was more to do with Ashraf, Akri- Ashraf Hakimi. His third man runs the the sort of triangles created with uh, Lukaku and uh, Martinez. You've got Barella and Eriksen from deep attacking as well. And perhaps buying him from Real Madrid, as Antonio Conte alluded to, not from Cagliari and Sassuolo, was the difference. Although I, it's a disservice to Barella from Cagliari. I think he has been world-class this season. And the best of the rest, well, you've got Pioli's Milan, you've got Gasparini's Atalanta, you've got Catuso's Napoli and Perlo's Juventus. Lazio, they could have easily been part of a top six, but their end of season form dropped off. Ciro Mobile hadn't been anywhere near as prolific as uh, the previous season. Roma did very well in Europe to get to the semi-finals of the Europa League, only to fall at that stage. And uh, will be in the mix for the Champions League next season with, of course, Jose Mourinho taking over Paolo Fonseca next season, which will be very entertaining in Italy. Sassuolo were cruelly robbed of a conference league spot on the final day, but they might not entirely mind with the uh, trips out to mainly Eastern Europe for that competition. Which brings us to the aforementioned four fighting for three places. Speculation has been rising ahead of the futures of Andrea Perlo and Gennaro Gattuso to be decided if they survive their jobs at Napoli and Juventus. The manager at, the for, at their former club, AC Milan, of course, Stefano Pioli, he survived last season amid the uh, Ralph Ragnick rumours and the uh, it left the only constant in the battle for the top four, Atlanta and Giampiero Gasparini. They were the favourites and it shows how well run they are or perhaps how badly run the others are. You decide that one. Uh, to look at AC Milan and their rise back into the Champions League for the first time, what seems like forever. Let's look back at AC Milan. We have to go back to the previous season. And to Pioli's predecessor, really, he brought in the likes of Theo Hernandez, Frank Kessi, Rafael Leao, Ismail Banassia and Alexis Salamakas. They were in all under 22, clear transfer recruitment strategy there. Ante Rebic came in on loan, a bit more experienced uh, from Eintracht Frankfurt. That would become, of course, more, more permanent this season. 
Simon Kier, he came in for experience as well. Three losses on the bounce the previous season, spelled the end of Gianpaolo. Piola recovered them from 16th to 6th and uh, Project Restart really restarted Milan's fortunes. Nine wins, three draws to the end of the season on 66 points, 66 points would, which would have had them in the shake-up for the Champions League places, at least in England last season. They've added Brahim Diaz on loan, Sandro Tonali loan, which is going to be made permanent, Diogo Dallo on loan, and Jens Petter Haag from uh, Bodo Glimt. Again, all these players are under 22, while shifting the experienced names in Pepe, Reina, Lucas Biglia, and Bonaventure all over 30. And people like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, it gives them a good blend of experience. Fikayo Tomori, of course, came in mid-season on loan. His future is up in the air, whether uh, AC Milan are going to trigger his uh, fee. And AC Milan, this season at least, continued that title winning form. They weren't beaten until January and that loss was a as a 3-1 loss to Juventus, which meant they had gone 27 games undefeated, straddling the two seasons. And they remained top until defeats in the derby, the 3-0 derby, and shockingly, away at Spezia. Losing Zlatan hadn't seemed to harm Milan either, really. Uh, they did have successive losses at Sassuolo and Lazio, but I think it's the ingenuity of that midfield. You've got Benassia, Kalhanoglu, Frank Kessie, is, is That's the reason why they did so well. And if transplant that Milan midfield into Juventus, and I think Juventus comfortably finished second in behind into Milan this season. Sandro Tonali might not have hit the ground running, but I'm sure he, I'm sure he will in the not-too-distant future. Kessie, though, is their main man, and it is Kessie who scored the two penalties on the final day at Atalanta to uh, join them in the Champions League. Atalanta, similar to similar to, uh, to Milan, really lost their talisman in Papu Gomez, although through sale after a spat with the coach Gasparini after the after a Champions League tie against uh, Mitchell and, and instead uh, the Colombian duo of Muriel and Zapata have been irresistible. Likewise, Ruslan Mal- Malinovsky has been absolutely superb and hopefully he takes that form into the Euros with him in uh, in Ukrainian colours because he's been absolutely superb into the season. It stemmed that leak from uh, Papu Gomez's uh, sale. Atalanta was set to finish second. Seemingly all the world, they were going to finish second, but for that final day defeat to AC Milan and they now finished third, effectively on head-to-head with the team in fourth, which we'll discuss in a second. They make up that final Champions League, that third and f- that third Champions League place, and the final place came down to Patu- Perlo and Gattuso on that final day. Juve starting the day outside of the places in fifth. Uh, not even a Coppa Italia against Atalanta. Winning that cup, it seemed like that couldn't stop Perlo from being sacked. It couldn't save him. It couldn't spare him. The rookie manager, he was supposed to be uh, supposed to be the youth team coach this season. Obviously, things escalated. Perlo then takes the number one job in uh, in Turin. And with if they did finish in the Europa League places, Ronaldo was surely to leave if they missed out. They do have the Alvaro Morata and, Paolo Dybala waiting in the wings. I think the midfield kind of needs a rework, if not personnel, but tactically. Too many players, I think, have underperformed this season. Weston McKennie's still young. I'm sure he'll be a hit. You've got Dejan Kulazewski, he'll be a hit. I'm sure Bernadeschi as well. You've got Rabiot and Bentancur in the uh, midfield. Definitely two that you'd want rather than not, because they are or could be world-class in the future, uh, but easily. Absolutely easily, Juventus' star man this season has been Federico Chiesa. What a talent he has been. He followed in his footsteps with that Coppa Italia win uh, from his father, Enrico, uh, in winning the Coppa Italia with Gigi Buffon, of course. Those two combining in 1999 with Parma. And in terms of the defence, Matthew De Litt has the tools to succeed. 
Benucci and Chiellini. Demiral, of course, a Turkish centre-back, solid alongside him. And I've, he's going to have a bright future. Um, might kickstart that with Turkey this summer. Might uh, be a dark horse as Turkey in the Euros this summer. And uh, back to the midfield, if, uh, if Arta remains fit, I think they have a great player there. Whether he will or not is a completely different issue. Obviously, a lot from the Barcelona end has been said about the pjanic Arthur swap, which is mind-boggling from a from a Barca point of view. But from Juve, he seems to have got a, got a really, really good, solid centre mid there. But he hasn't hit the ground running, really. And everything is there for me, for Perla to succeed. But it looks as though he could be, sh- could be chopped, which is a shame because... He's a rookie manager and if, the, if he's given time, I know time isn't in abundance in Italy with some clubs. Like Milan, they're signing young players, they're getting rid of the old. And alternatively, in Napoli, you've got Gattuso. Even with Champions League qualification, he looked to be on his out, on his way out. That path has surely stepped up a notch or two now after bottling the final day. With a 1-1 draw against Hellas Verona, Juve edged over the line thanks to a late penalty. A 3-2 win against Inter Milan. You've got the 3-1 win against Sassuolo and on the final day, a 4-1 win over Bologna. They were on for 10 in a row, uh, but obviously they finished fourth on 78 points, admittedly, though. So that's a a decent points tally, but obviously far and away behind Inter Milan there. Elsewhere in Italy, Sampdoria, Claudio Ranieri steered the ship, got ninth, and uh, now unfortunately he's, uh, he's left Genoa. Elas Verona rack up another great season under their belts, finishing 10th, another top half finish for them. In between the Genoese club, clubs, Genoa in 11th with a bit of a second half of the season recovery there. Sinisa Mihalovic recorded another 12th place finish at Bologna. Musa Barra, very exciting for Bologna. Fiorentino were rocked by Cesare Prandelli's departure mid-season, but the story is, of course, Dusan Vlajevic, who's had a superb second half of the season. The young Serb uh, looks out to be looks to be on his way out there to... Uh, Richer and perhaps better suitors all across Europe. Um, 20-odd goals he scored in this season. Udinese, on the other hand, they survived the sale of uh, Kevin Lasagna with uh, Rodrigo de Paul having an absolutely magnificent season. Another player who looks to be on his way out of Italy. Spezia survived in a comfortably 15th place in the end for a a newly promoted club. Fantastic season for them. Meanwhile, Cagliari must have a great response Great escape with a great end to the season. Too good a team, really, to go down. Nangle and Yao Pedra, etc. Torino flirted dangerously with uh, Serie B2, uh, safe because of other results, really. And surely after this, Andrea Bellotti surely leaves and goes up the table, may- maybe. Maybe to Roma. Hmm. Benevento performed better than the last time they were in Serie A, but Pippo Inzaghi was relegated by his brother Simone Inzaghi with a 1-1 draw in the penultimate game of the season there. Crotone, they never had enough to uh, stay up despite being very exciting to watch under Cersei Cosme who came in in March uh, with Simi in terms of goals one of the best in the second half of the season in 2021 excellent forward and Palmer they were about right at the foot of the table which is a shame only clocking up 20 points when you think of the of course the fantastic teams that they've had in years gone by we'll be leaving Italy after this short break and we'll be going to Das Bundesliga and Germany like Inter Milan, Bayern Munich have lived seemingly through managerial turmoil with Hansi Flick out. They've corrected that, Julian Nagelsmann is coming in. And to be fair, the managerial turmoil of others has helped. Coming off the back of a treble win, Flick and Bayern were overwhelming favourites and they got it done fairly simply. They've got the best midfield arguably in Europe. Joshua Kimmich, Leon Goretzka and Thomas Muller slightly ahead of them. The wingers in Leroy Sané and Gnabry are just 
excellent, let's be honest, uh, best in class there. And the best in class up front, Robert Lewandowski breaking Gerd Muller's 40-goal record with Bayern Munich's final goal of the season in a win over Augsburg. Didn't look as though he was going to get that after that knee injury in uh, April, but his return scored a hat-trick the previous weekend and, of course, completing that on the final day. Bayern are adding Dio Pomecano to an already great defence, even better if Alfonso Davis stays fit on the left um Bayern cantered to the league title in the end, uh, a bit like Inter Milan, with, to be fair, the managerial shuffles in April taking its toll on the other top half teams, really. Nagelsmann and Leipzig did absolutely nothing to put the pressure on. Maybe Nagelsmann had subconsciously one eye on the on the job he's got to do next season. They definitely lacked a Timo Werner. Uh, the goals were evenly spread out, but in terms of highest goal scorer, Yusuf Poulsen on an 11, which isn't enough to usurp a team that's got a goal scorer like Robert Lewandowski who ended up scoring 41 league goals, which is just stupid numbers anyway, alien numbers. Leipzig have got uh, Ibrahim Akonte, Konate, he looks like he's, he's uh, leaving to Liverpool this summer, so which means Vili Urban and uh, Mukulele will have to uh, will have to step up and hope for a smooth transition for the young Croatian uh, Vadiol. And he's a... Like, anyone who plays Football Manager 2021... Sign him, he's fantastic. Obviously he won't be able to now because he's signed for Leipzig, but regardless, uh, go seek out an earlier patch. Going forward, Dominic Shabozlai could be the player to fill Timo Werner's shoes next season. Uh, you've also got a rotating cast of fantastic footballers. Sabitzer, Tyler Adams, Nkunku, Danny Olmo, Yusuf Paulson, Emil Forsberg could be enough to cement in the coming years their place as Germany's second biggest team, or second best team rather. And in the end, that's previous second biggest team were Borussia Dortmund and in the end they only snuck into the into the Champions League places which will boost their revenue immeasurably not only from the prize money but because of the higher fees that they can now command for their best players. It seemed when they were in fifth and lagging behind Frankfurt that Erling Haaland and Jadon Sancho were as good as gone let's be honest. Sancho seemingly this summer looks to be going anyway to uh, Liverpool, Chelsea or Manchester United, any one of those, it seems like he's returned to the Premier League. Maybe they'll hold off the sale of Erling Haaland, but that's a ticking time bomb. He will leave next summer. I don't doubt that at all. Purely because of the market depression, they could keep Haaland because Haaland's a £150 million player. Uh, His release clause obviously gets knocked down next summer, so they'll definitely lose him then, unless, obviously, something drastic happens. Jude Bellingham already looks likely third in command to leave in the uh, Dortmund pecking order. And Bellingham, I think, is comfortably filled a void in midfield. They were closer in the Champions League in the quarterfinals against Manchester City than you'd expect. Bellingham was a big part of that. Obviously, Bellingham's England teammate, Phil Foden, controlled that tie as well, another youngster. And in April, it seemed like it was a fatal 2-1 defeat to Eintracht Frankfurt. But since Dortmund just haven't stopped winning under interim coach Edin Terzic, he succeeded Lucien Favre um, on an interim basis and they'll of course now take a back seat for Marco Rosa, who uh, Rosa comes in from Borussia Mönchengladbach. Gladbach did quite well in Europe. They got into the last 16 in the Champions League again, like Dortmund beaten by Manchester City. But since Rosa was announced to be the new Borussia Dortmund manager, they've dropped like a stone after, a, after the announcement. They won't even play in Europe Rosa leaving allows Adi Huta to step in. Huta, the uh, the Frankfurt manager who seemed destined to return them to the Champions League. They're in the Champions League places seemingly all all season, but losses to Gladbach, Leverkusen, even Schalke 
we'll discuss them later on, uh, took them out of the Champions League and back into the Europa League. They, of course, had that semi-final run a couple of years ago. Um, stepping in, Jesse March, he steps in at, at Leipzig from Salzburg. We wonder what the connection is there. Um, he's flying from Salzburg and to Leipzig with wings, obviously. And it means that Wolfsburg are the only team in the top six not changing manager. Oli Glasner there um, done a fantastic job. Vout Vegas has been a revelation at the uh, Volkswagen City. His goals firing them into the Champions League, unlike Andre Silva's goals, many of them at Frankfurt, which left one place up for grabs in Europe for the Bundesliga clubs. And we know it wasn't Gladbach's. It was the Conference League. It went down all the way to the final day. Meanwhile, Leverkusen, they took the second Europa League place after dropping out of the, uh, the title race on the Champions League place. They went unbeaten in the first 12, but Petter Boss didn't even... Didn't even see how the uh, remainder of the season going after a sticky mid-season spell. Hansa Wolf, um, Wolf he uh, ended the season as coach on an interim basis. Leverkusen have replaced him though. So it wasn't Gladbach and it certainly wasn't Werder Bremen and Schalke both miserably down and in Bundesliga Zwei next season. It wasn't FC Köln who will now play with play off with uh, Holsten Kiel for that 18th Bundesliga spot next season. It wasn't other big names such as Stuttgart who had a fantastic first season back with uh, Sasa Kalajic and Wamangita, who were absolutely superb up front for Stuttgart and they finished in the top half. It wasn't Hoffenheim, they were comfortably mid-table. Nor was it Hertha Berlin, who, still recovering from Jürgen Klinsmann, uh, Piontek has been injured, uh, they dangerously battled relegation. Nor was it in only their first ever season in the Bundesliga, Union Berlin. It was them. Max Kruse, arguably the sign of the season, top scored for Union. And with, his, with the last kick of the season for Union, against RB Leipzig. They won the game 2-1 to stay 7th ahead of Gladbach. Elsewhere in Germany, you've got Freiburg. They fought the odds again. They finished 10th. Mainz had a superb rejuvenation at the second half of the season under new manager Bo Svensson to finish 12th. Augsburg uh, built up enough credit to not let a poor second half of the season relegated them in 13th. It looked for all the world that uh, Armenia Bielefeld would go down after coming back up last season. Uh, but one loss mixed with uh, three wins and four draws from the final eight helped them escape and they avoided the playoff with a final 2-0 win over Stuttgart. Bochum and Grofer Firth will uh, replace two huge names in Schalke and Werder Bremen and to be fair, next season Bundesliga's Vi looks absolutely fantastic. Those two aforementioned huge clubs joining Hamburg who show how hard it is to get out of the second tier in Germany because they've been in it for three seasons now. That's also forgetting the likes of Fortuna Dusseldorf who went down last season, Nuremberg and Hanover who are all big names in German football. And going from one kind of sloppy title race to probably the best title race in Europe next this season, we go from Germany to France to conclude today's episode. Bienvenue, Ligue 1 France and the award as I said for the best title race of the season goes to France and Ligue 1. Paris Saint-Germain, they were crippled thanks to form against the other top four, which was just disastrous, really. They had also had a change in manager from Tommy Tuchel to Maurizio Pochettino. Monaco, they were too young, but despite that, managed to navigate a managerial change of their own. Roberto Moreno leaving, Niko Kovac coming in third place and the last Champions League spot. And a Coupe de France final will be Monaco's takeaways. They look to have lost it at the last minute to a nil-nil draw. In uh, in Lons, uh, their second super, superb second half of the season looked to be going for nothing. However, there was news emanating from Leon, and that news on the final day 
was that Lyon had lost 3-2 to Nice. It meant a return for Monaco to the Champions League after a period of wilderness. Whilst Lyon's own wilderness period continues, they now look for a new manager. Rudy Garcia has gone Lyon R in the Europa League. A team already filling their vacant managerial slot was Olympique Marseille and what an implosion of a season. It could have been a top five fight for the title, which would have been fantastic in France. But Marseille imploded out of the Champions League. Andre Villas-Boas left the training ground siege and Marseille's new coach, Jorge Sampaoli, finished fifth. Uh, recovered them to fifth in all honesty and that was sealed thanks to RC Lonza's tailing off. They only picked up one point from the final for the newly promoted club who regardless had a fantastic season. They finished seventh just slightly outside the European places and it meant that um, Ren under Bruno Genesio they sneak back into Europe after that failed Champions League attempt and will be playing in the Europa League again next season. All that was left after this though was to decide numbers one and two perhaps the most important uh, Monaco could have won it in the final day, but obviously that they needed a dramatic set of results to go their way. They'd get neither a PSG or Lille losses, um, plus even a win of their own, to be fair. Um, PSG, they began the season suffering the hangover of that first ever Champions League final defeat with losses to Lens and Marseille without scoring. Then it looked business as usual. They had eight wins in a row. They were top for an extended period and it looked as a, yep, yeah, another run-of-the-mill season for PSG. Tuchel would stay until the end of the season and it would be gone because this uh, this relationship with Leonardo in the uh, technical director's role, that was severed. Tuchel stepped away, though, in December with the team lagging behind Lille and Maurizio Pochettino was in, of course, former defender for the club. Crucial defeats to Monaco and Lyon before Christmas and Monaco again and Lille after. And ultimately, this was a difference between retaining the title yet again and not even with a 2-0 win over Brest on the final day. Lille, they were the deserving champions. Barack Yilmaz, the best signing of the season in France, the best signing of the season in Europe, or even the past five seasons in Europe. His goals, as unlikely as they looked when he signed a, an old and ageing Turkish players. Turkish players don't tend to travel well, with some exceptions, but he has been, outside of Lewandowski, the best striker in, uh, in Europe this season. His goals... They dragged a youthful team forward. It was a team containing Sven Botman at the back, grabbed from Ajax's youth setup. It was a team that was containing Jonathan David up front, very youthful, but also had the experience of Jose Font at the back. You got Samari in uh, in midfield, which we discussed yesterday about um, him going to Leicester City. Um, Buba Samari, Samari, he will be going to uh, likely going to Leicester. So. It, it, it looks as though the the uh, Lille team has been ripped apart before they've even had a chance to celebrate their league and title. Renato Sanchez alongside him in that midfield looked revitalised, which goes to show that despite a few hiccups in the road for Sanchez and obviously looking as though he's complete at Bayern and that Euro 2016 performance, of course, where he's named best young player and the subsequent loan move to Swansea, which didn't work out and other moves, he looks to be at the back. He looks back at his best now. Lille lost three all season. Away to uh, Brest and at home to Angers and Nîmes. And they ended that season, this season at Angers, which could have been uh, a bit nervy for them really. But Jonathan David and, of course, Burak Yilmaz scored in the 2-1 win. It's Lille's fourth ever, fourth ever French league title and uh, first for a decade. And the squad surely to be ripped apart. Sven Botman has been, uh, has been attracting rumours as well, Samari as well. Elsewhere, Montpellier hit 8th place again. Nice recovered from Patrick Vieira's exit to finish 9th. Mets, like Lons, had a great first season back, finishing uh, in the top half, finishing 10th. Saint-Etienne, uh, they levelled out to 11th under Claude Puel after 4th and 17th places of seasons gone by. 
Bordeaux had a tumultuous season on and off the pitch, but dragged themselves to 12th after winning the last two. Angers continue to be safe with that fantastic academy that they've got in 13th. Rennes, Strasbourg, Lorient and Brest all avoided the relegation playoff narrowly on the final day. Meanwhile, Nantes will play off with Toulouse for that 20th and final league earn place. Nîmes, who was spared that playoff last season, went down poor second half of the season from them and Dijon will be keen to return. Bottom for the majority and, like Sheffield United really, is the French equivalent for those. So, across Europe, what else did we have? We had Rangers and Sporting Lisbon breaking the status quo to win their leagues. Ajax very much kept their status quo with title number 35 in Holland. Besiktas won the Turkish Super League on goal difference. You had Legia Warsaw, Olympiakos, Club Bruges all retained. Dynamo Kiev ended four years of Shakhtar dominance. Meanwhile, Slovan Bratislava, Zenit and Ferenc Varos made it three titles in a row. Salzburg made it eight in a row. Dynamo Zagreb, CFA Cluj, Young Boys, Red Star Belgrade all made it four in a row. Bronby or Michelin will be champions of Denmark this Saturday, more likely to be Bronby than not. Malmo won in Sweden, HJK Helsinki won in Finland, but a glimpse in Norway. And sorry to any country missed out on my whistle-stop tour of Europe there, Shamrock Rovers, Connors Key and potentially Limfield as well in the British Isles. It is all set to be an exciting season ahead with the uh, shake-up of European football and it is an exciting month or so for us on the What If Football channel. New things, new platforms, keep in tune, keep abreast of those. We'll be covering the European Championships every day, of course we will. We've got a video locked and loaded for each of the 24 teams previewed on YouTube. Each day on our podcast feed, we'll be previewing the tournament right from June the 7th, right the way through to the conclusion of the tournament on July the 11th. We'll cover the entirety of the Euros and Euros gone by. There's some restructuring following that, but news of that will come before the end of the month. Thank you for sticking around and please Leave us a like, leave us a subscribe, leave us a lovely five-star review. But until then, we're back with the Notice Nostalgia podcast tomorrow. See there. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.